Stone and Tile Show is proud to be sponsored by the National Tile Contractors Association. The NTCA is a leading trade association in the tile and stone industry dedicated to professional installation of ceramic tile and natural stone. With more than 1,500 members representing thousands of installers, NTCA works hard to be a strong voice for proper installation and qualified labor. The association invests in a professional staff to provide technical support and assistance and offers free educational seminars and regional training opportunities around the country. To learn more about what the NTCA can offer for you or your business, go to the website www.tile-assn.com. That's www.tile-assn.com. Oh, good evening, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and I'm a little bit embarrassed because I was supposed to play the Alpha Diamond interview that I had, had done last week, and I forgot to upload it uh, to the site. So if you're listening to this live, you're not going to hear that interview. You're going to have to come back and, and listen to it on the podcast, which I'll I'll upload as soon as we get off the air here. But before I do... Uh, I also want to mention uh, one more time that I do have four uh, classes, uh, correspondence classes that I am offering. Now, let me go ahead and read them uh, what they are. Uh, I have the Stone Restoration 101. I have the Stone and Tile Inspection and Troubleshooting class. I have the Historic Stone Restoration. And I have Engineered Stone Repair and Restoration. And I'm offering all these at half price. So if you're interested in those, just simply drop me an email at fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. Now, if you're listening live, that's going to be the end of the show. But if you're not listening live, uh, you're going to be listening to this in a podcast in a second. You're going to hear that interview I did with uh, John Buselink uh, with Alpha on Diamond. So, again, if you're listening live, you may want to check back in a few, and uh, you can listen to that interview. So we will talk to everyone later. All right, we have John Buselink on the phone. If you guys remember, a few weeks ago we interviewed John. He is with Alpha. He is the uh, senior technical support representative and the technical trainer for Alpha Professional Tools. So, John, this week we decided we're going to focus on diamond pads for edge polishing. And a few minutes ago, I, I introduced some, you know some of the uh, uh, some of the issues we had back in the back in the day. So let me ask you this. Uh, let's take a look at the history of these abrasives before diamonds. You know, what type of things did we use? Well, Fred, uh, back then we used uh, silicone carbide. And prior to diamonds, uh, the introduction into the uh, industry, we used products mostly made of uh, silicone carbide. So whether the product was sanding disc, a sanding belt, or a resin cup wheel, as everyone knows today as uh, grinding stones were the most common um, products used, which all contain uh, silicone carbide. Right. So based on uh, what the guys used to use back in the day, you know, say the, I don't know, the 60s right on back. I mean, obviously we had countertops that were fabricated then. So, so what, what's the big difference with, you know, with all the granite that's coming into play right now? I mean, back in those days, obviously we fabricated a lot of marble, but right now most of the shops are doing granite, granite, granite. So, uh, what's what's the what's the difference there? Well, Fred, um, what the difference is, back in the day, the materials were softer kinds of uh, marble, so the silicone carbide was hard enough to um, grind the edges back then. 
But now with uh, the introduction of the granite, the granite is being much harder. It puts um, a damper onto the silicon carbide that it can't cut into the harder materials. So if you uh, take a step back, we all know the Mohs uh, scale of hardness. Right. And we kind of rate like marble and limestone to be around three on on a, a scale of this uh, nature, and granites are around seven. So with this said, we had to step up to diamond grits to cope with the difficulties to grind and polish the granite when it came into the market. So if we look at the most scale, it, it, what the most scale is, it's um, it's a scale that characterizes the scratches, uh, resistance of various materials. So in order for a harder material to be scratched, we had to upgrade uh, to uh, diamond technology. So uh, being able to uh, add diamond technology into hand pads and, and into the resin, it's a substitute of the silicone carbide that was used in the past. So that's what we uh, kind of changed to the uh, introduction mm-hmm. of the granite. You know, I, I can't imagine how difficult it must have been to work with granite back in the day uh, before diamonds. It was probably a, a long and tedious process. But, you know, one of the things that I've noticed during training, you know, especially when we're, we're training people that are used to doing things dry, like the solid surface guys doing dry, you know, why do we have to go wet with diamonds? Well, one of the main reasons, Fred, is uh, typically it's uh, the heat buildup. When you uh, start grinding harder materials, um, heat builds up much faster because of the um, character of the granite. So um, when the heat builds up, it's going to affect the life and the performance of the abrasives. So you need to change from um, dry method of uh, polish and grinding to wet. And the reason why we want to do this is um, it's just changing with the time. So changing with the times is um, what we need to do. And it makes sense. You want to be able to keep those diamonds diamonds cool. You know, I know I know we're talking about fabricators and mostly granite uh, countertop fabricators, but we also have another interest, industry we have to be concerned with too, and that's the monument fabricators. And obviously, monuments go way way back, probably maybe even before countertops. I don't know that. So, yeah, how how has diamonds changed their polishing process? Well, the way uh, diamonds change their process, Fred, is um. Monuments, uh, like you said, polish uh, a lot of granite today, and uh, in the past was uh, the marble. But they had a transition from silicon carbide to diamond, but they were able to do this uh, transition more successfully because they had large equipment that provides a lot of pressure and plenty of water. Makes sense. So that being said, they were able to take advantage of the silicon carbide for polishing using their uh, equipment. But using silicon carbide was okay, but they took a lot of time changing out the abrasives. So they they would have to stop production, um, replace the uh, abrasive, polish again, and then when that wore out, they had to once again stop and replace the abrasive. So transitioning over to diamonds made a better quality finish on uh, the monuments that they're doing, but it gave them better production and uh, better quality of their shine. So changing from silicon carbide to diamond technology was a, a great improvement for the monument fabricators. Yeah, I guess I, and I imagine that saved a lot of time too. So let's let's switch gears now and get away from the uh, monument fabricators and let's talk about countertop fabricators. How has how has that changed? Well, what changed uh, 
for them, when we're talking about the uh, like edging processes, yes, what changes faster polishing and better quality finishing using diamonds. So, as a um, fabricating countertops, there's um, a couple steps that we need to talk about, and the first step is um, actually creating a profile on the edge of the material, and then to do that, they need to use heavy grinding and shaping tooling, which require larger diamond grit sizes. And that larger diamond grit size creates a, a faster, rapid material removal. So um, using diamonds are great for that aspect. The second step is that they need to uh, sand and polish that material to make a transition between that rough grits that they just used to make that profile edge. So um, sanding that down prepares the surface for um, the last polishing stage. And uh, back in the 90s and the 80s, um, Full bullnose and demi bullnose shapes were pretty common, so it was very easy for the fabricators to use uh, sand belts and the sand silicone sandpaper for um, right. shaping and polishing. It was uh, easy to uh, do edges. But today we have uh, OGs, we got triple waterfalls. So there's many different uh, shapes in the industry that you know silicone carbide discs can't get to. Right. And then Makes finally. Sense. Yeah, then finally, the last step, um, we use like a final buff wheel. And what the final buff wheel does, it creates a deeper color and luster on the surface of the edge. And what that's going to do is enhance the color, the, the quality. So it just enhances over the, the polishing aspect when you're using the diamonds. And back in the day, if you remember, people used to use um, cotton buffing wheels and a polishing bar in order to uh, buff the edge to bring up the, the color a little bit more. But today, using uh, our final buff uh, stand, uh, polishing wheels, it's much simpler and easier for the fabricator to use. Uh, I've, I've actually polished stone that way, and it's it's not very fun. So I'm, I'm glad those things exist out there. So, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about the diamonds themselves. You know, people out there, you know, they, they hear people talking about, well, you've got electroplated, brazed, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, we've heard about those different diamond types. So can you explain the differences? Well, I could definitely explain the differences. Um, we talk about the hand polishing. So when large and aggressive diamonds were used uh, in the grinding tool, that diamond needs to be secured uh, onto the wheel. So using larger diamonds are more expensive and, um, to get the best cost performance out of using that larger diamond, there's different technologies into um, holding that diamond into the wheel itself. So let's talk about a, like a profile wheel. The popular bonding systems for this category is like scented bond, electroplated bond, and vacuum braze. And sometimes uh, a vitrified bond could be used too. And just keep in mind that water is uh, recommended to keep the grinding area cool. But um, to go back to the bonding systems, scented bond, that's when the diamonds are actually mixed into the metal to hold the diamonds into place. Mm. And what happens is when the, the matrix, I call it, when the matrix starts to wear, the diamonds are uh, actually being pulled out of the matrix. So the diamonds are wearing, becoming dull. The diamonds are falling out of the matrix, and it's allowing newer diamonds to be exposed, which keeps that uh, cutting action um very aggressive throughout the life of the product. And then we have uh, electroplated diamonds, and these are very aggressive too. These are actually adhered to the 
a polishing disc. But what happens as they start to wear, they don't fall out. They're actually still adhered to the uh, the disc. So once they start to wear, they start losing their cutting ability, and then uh, next you know the end of life. And then we have uh, vacuum braised diamonds in which they're actually adhered and attached in the oven for the bonding technique. And that um, oven and uh, holds the diamonds under the core, so the diamonds are always uh, very fast and aggressive. And just like the electroplated, as the diamonds start to wear, they start losing their cutting ability. And then finally, uh, you'll notice at the end of the life, the cut actually just dis, uh, dissipates, even though you, you kind of still see what there's diamonds on the uh, edge of the tool. Mm-hmm. But those are the uh, three different uh, bonding systems. You've got sintered bond, electroplated bond, vacuum braised, and sometimes we have a vitrified bond. Great, great, great information, and I'm sure a lot of people weren't aware of that, you know. So now, you had mentioned a buff pad before. Uh, is is that a diamond as well? Is is that how we do the final polishing step? It's not. It has some diamond grit, but it's not really a, a diamond, Fred. What okay. it is, it's um, it's like super fine metal alloy powders that have a aluminum oxide and tin oxide all mixed together. So. The way we uh, work with this typical pad is you want to wet the stone and then turn the water off, and then you're going to actually buff until the surface becomes dry. And what we're doing here is we're getting uh, heat buildup. So this final buffing pad is creating heat buildup, which is actually bringing up the high gloss and the color on the edge of the material. But you just got to make sure that you don't overheat the, the edge of the material. So when you're using it, add water, turn the water off, buff until it's dry, then you need to add more water, and then um, buff until it's dry again. But it's not really a diamond. It's just a, a little mixture of everything to uh, enhance and bring out that shine and luster. Uh, in the old days, um, what people had to do, they had to use like a powder slurry on a felt wheel so mm-hmm. or a foam pad. So what they did is they had to put the powder on the, the felt wheel, a pad, and buff it up, and what happens with that, it it sprays that powder around, so it makes a, a mess. So mm-hmm. if you're in someone's house, that's not really too uh, user-friendly, I would say. It just makes a mess. But uh, definitely going to the new uh, final polishing wheels that we have today is uh, the way to go. I agree, and they, they work really well, too. Now, you know, most of our listeners, you know, they, they buy diamonds, you know, they they know what the grit size is. But, you know, in addition to the grit size, is there, is there any other indicators we should be familiar with? Well, this, uh, that's, a, that's a good question. And there's many uh, answers, and i got many um, topics I want to touch base on this uh, question. Sure. Most of us know that um, sandpaper, we all, we all use sandpaper in the past. So we, we pretty much know that. When you use sandpaper, you could use a 36, 60, 120, 240. So it might be three or four steps in order to um, polish up the wood or get, and get that ready for, like, paint or stain. But, however, diamond technology is different. So with diamond technology, there's um, what we call uh, industry standards. And if you didn't know, and if our listeners, listeners didn't know, there's um, – Pads are manufactured in, say, um, European. It could be manufactured in uh, Japan or all U.S. manufacturers. And to explain these, 
there's uh, different um, codes that we use. Mm. Cami is uh, actually coded abrasive material. Uh, I'm sorry, Cami is coded abrasive uh, manufacturer institute, and U.S. manufacturers use this uh, standard. European uses uh, the FIPA system, which uh, pretty much is made in uh, Germany. And uh, Japanese, they use a GIS standard, and that's a uh, Japanese international standard, and pretty much is used in the Asian mar- markets. So with all these different uh, country origins, we don't want to mix up the the grits between each of these uh, countries. Because a, a lot of people will say, well, can I use... Um, so-and-so's disc and mix up with these grits. And mm-hmm. we don't want to do that. So you need to be careful uh, when you mix in. And the reason why we don't want to mix up is because everyone has their own standard. Like uh, for sandpaper, I mentioned, uh, you know, 36, 60, 122, 20 grit. All those right. grits pretty much stay, stay together. But however, when you do um, our industry and the stone industry, there's really no standard. So following these uh, CAMI, the FIPA, and the GIS the manufacturers, those grits that we say, maybe we're saying 200, 500, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 grit, they're not really those uh, grits because we don't have no industry standard, like I said. Those are more like micron. So mm. if I say 200, 500, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, that might be, say, 66 micron, it might be 30 micron, it might be 16 micron, 8 micron. So there's no standard, so each manufacturer has their own method. So like I said, you definitely don't want to mix and match between the manufacturers out there. So it could be very confusing to people but um, that are used to using sandpaper, but they need to be aware of um, the grid sizes and the manufacturer it comes from. So am I correct in assuming then, because there are so many different manufacturers out there and there are not, not a lot of standards, that that uh, the grit sizes per manufacturer are just basically, what am I trying to say, a, a sequence, in other words. You know, use this one first and then this one second. Is that, that correct? Yeah, you, you definitely want to use uh, each manufacturer's disc in sequence, but you don't want to mix the manufacturers, as I just uh, stated. No. Since... Um, since um, the sizes are different, it's going to alter your polishing. What's going to happen is it's going to take a longer time to uh, polish if you mix up the manufacturer's disc. And also, when you're using the disc, if you mix them, the wear ratio will change too. Like, say manufacturer A has a five-disc set. Each one's, Each grit and each disc is made to be used in sequence. So each disc will wear at a given rate, so it'll make right. it very easy for the operator to polish. But if you change the grits and mix up uh, the sets, the, rare, the wear ratio will change because disc A from one manufacturer and then disc B for the second stage is not going to be compatible, so you need to work longer and harder with the second disc, which is going to create fatigue on the operator, it's going to change the polish, and you're going to use the disc longer, which is going to make the disc wear out quicker. So there's so many different um, factors that could happen when you actually mix up the manufacturer's disc. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of sticking to one manufacturer, and not only in diamonds, but just about anything. It, it saves a lot of a lot of headache and 
Uh, you know, that's what they're designed for. So, so let's again switch gears again and talk a little bit more about how we use these diamonds. So, you know, what has changed and how do we use them? Well, what's changed? Uh, to be real quick, it's life. What it is, we're using water compared to um, doing dry methods up in the past, and actually the tools has changed. So, that being said, you know, as we discussed earlier, we used um, we actually used to use softer stones for uh, back in the 80s and 90s, like the marble. So, standing discs and belts were um, designed and worked very well for um, polishing those materials. However, the silicone and the um, carbide within those standing discs and belts didn't perform well on the granite, so we had to actually move on to um, diamond technology. So when we went from diamond technology, we went from dry polishing using the standing disc to wet polishing using our new diamond technology. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing that changed is um, we had to go from uh, dry polishing to wet polishing. And, of course, as we changed to the diamond technology, life was much greater because the diamonds last longer and it made um uh, made it a lot easier for the operator to use the diamond technology and the life of the discs are much longer too, so you don't have to keep out, keep out changing out the disc. And also, um, in the beginning of the wet polishing, this is talking about the 80s and 90s again, people used to uh, supply water by, say, a, a hose. The hose mm. actually sprayed onto the surface, and that made it a little difficult. So as the polishers for the fabrication shops were using um, the hose method, we realized that um, it's much better if we go to a, a polishing tool that actually uh, provided water. And that's where the, um, the electric polishing tool came out back in the 80s and 90s. So it made it more user-friendly for the operator to uh, go that way too. But also when a um, polishing tool was introduced, we actually made it much easier for the operator too and the fabricator, we actually um, made those uh, diamond discs into a hook and loop system. So now, in the past, they didn't have to take the fiber grinder wheels or the stones and use wrenches in order to uh, remove each grit for every uh, polishing stage. For uh, the introduction of hook and loop, now you can just put a, um, a backup pad that has hook and loop onto the polishing tool and a diamond uh, pad that has hook and loop, and, and you can interchange have removed the disc uh, very quickly and uh, efficiently, which is going to save time and be more productive in the shop today. So these, those are the right. pretty much three things that changed um, using diamond abrasives. Um, the life, like I said, the water and the polishing tools all changed. And, and again, and I hate to keep repeating myself, but uh, a lot faster and a lot easier than it was back in the, back in the day. Uh, let's talk about these three-step systems out there. What, what's the big difference, the difference between a three-step and, say, a multi-step system? Well, people perceive um, the three-step thread as being much faster, being more productive out there. So they think using a three-step is quicker than using a multi-step, say, maybe a five-step or it could be a six- or seven-step system. But what happens is, with the three-step system, it's the grit sizes and the gap between the grits that um, makes the three-step successful. 
But even though you could be successful polishing with a three-step system, using a three-step system, the fabricator has to work harder and longer compared to uh, working with a five-step system. And what I mean by that is what I just explained. A three-step system, the grid sizes have a bigger, bigger gap. So that means after you um, use, say, step number one, you're on step number two, you got to work longer with step number two in order to remove those deep scratches from step number one. So besides the operator working longer, they got to take more time because they might need to dry off the stone and check to make sure that disc number two removed all the scratches from disc number one. And then they'll have to do the same thing with disc number three, making sure disc number three removed the scratches from number two. So it just takes a lot of time and effort. So... With this being said, I think a five-step system is more suitable and you can achieve better results compared to a, a three-step system. But, yes, yeah, three-step systems work, but I would definitely prefer, and I think I, I, could, be, I could be personally much faster with a, a five-step system because I'm, I have more confidence in a five-step system that I don't need to stop and dry off the surface and look at it. I know I could just move on from one step, say one grit or one polishing disc, to the second polishing disc, to the third, fourth, and fifth sequence. So my personal opinion, I, I like a five-step. Yeah, and I concur with that opinion. I've used them all, and uh, definitely, um, I definitely agree with you 100%. So, you know, in the very beginning of this interview, we talked about wet, you know, how important diamonds were in using wet, but there are dry, dry, there are dry diamonds out there. Uh, so, you know, they're available. Where would we use a dry diamond? Well, where someone should use a, a dry diamond pad is, one, I would have a, a dry polishing pad system on everyone's fabricator's truck that installs uh, countertops. So um, that being said, what's great about dry pads are they could be used without any water, and you could be uh, using them in someone's home. So if you're in someone's home, you don't have to worry about splashing the cabinet, so you don't need to worry about, if you are using a, a wet system, you don't need to worry about putting up um, clear plastic paper to contain the water system. Mm. Using uh, dry pads are great for, say, in someone's home. But that being said, you could use a dry pad, but I always think a, a wet pad system always be makes a better quality finish on gloss and color on the material. But dry pads are definitely have their benefits for inside uh, someone's home or if you're outside um, outside just trying to touch up maybe an area with a templater that went to go template the job, didn't say you needed to put a polish here. But there's some pros and cons with the dry pads too. Now with the new OSHA silica rule, you got to make sure that yeah. you have um, a HEPA vacuum or a dust shroud or, or EcoGuard in order to make a compliance for OSHA rules. So these are all things that you need you need to think about when using a, a dry pad out there. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so the last question I have for you, John, is that, okay, I'm, I'm a fabricator, and I'm, I'm looking to purchase some diamonds. Uh, how do I go about choosing the right pad? Well, in order to choose the right pad, Fred, um, you have to keep in mind that you need to know what you're polishing to what type of material you're polishing, 
do you have to do it wet or dry? What size of the pad you need to use? Because there's various um, polishing aspects. Are you polishing this outside edge, which you could use maybe a typical four-inch diameter pad? Are you polishing it inside of a sink bowl where you need to use maybe a three-inch diameter pad to get into the corners? And then if I do use a three-inch diamond pad for polishing into the corners, I might want to go to like a two-inch uh, diameter backer pad. But um, there's so many uh, answers to these questions out there. So that being said, talk about size of the diamond pads. Typically, there are three-inch, four-inch, and five-inch diameters. So depending on the application, you need to choose what um, size you want to use. Do you want to use... Um, a dry or wet system, depending on where you're actually fabricating and doing the work. Also, do you want to use a, a three or four or five-step system? So these are all different questions that you need to have answers for. And the last thing that you got to remember is what the material you're being polished. Are you using um, marble, travertine, limestone, granite, quartzite, uh, porcelain, scented slab, concrete, glass. So there's many different materials out there. So you need to ask all these questions in order to get the right diamond pad for the, uh, for the application out there. Now, do you guys offer a so, pad um, that does all of, the, all of those? Yeah, Alpha, we have um, a pad. That we, it's actually called uh, Alpha Ceramic EX. This uh, system, is, of course, is available in 3, 4, and 5-inch diameter. But our Ceramica EX, it actually polishes all materials. So you can do the marble, travertine, limestones. You've got the granites. You could do the quartzite, the engineered stones out there, the sintered slabs out there. So we could do all material with Alpha Ceramica EX. So it makes it very uh, useful for the fabricator out there. And I'm a big fan of that diamond. I've used those in all my fabrication training, and uh, I swear by them. So... Anyway, well, John, I'd like to thank you. Uh, well, um, I guess I do have one one additional question, and that is, uh, where can listeners purchase these products and and get some more information if they need it? Yes, Fred, I'd like to uh, announce that. So, our listeners, they could actually go to one of our local authorized distributors, and if you guys were um, buying from a certain distributor, I would go, actually go back to that particular distributor to uh, purchase from. Or what they could do, they could contact Alpha Professional Tools directly at the phone number of 800-648-7229. And if they speak to one of our customer service representatives, we could um, find a distributor local to them. And also they could also visit our website, Fred, which is www.alpha-tools.com. And if they visit our website, they could actually click and buy that product at that point. And what's going to happen, Fred, is when they click and buy it, it goes to uh, that order goes to any authorized dealer who signed up with the Quivers program, and that dealer will actually fulfill and ship that order to the customer. So there's various uh, ways and methods for the our audience out there to purchase our Alpha Professional Tools products. Oh, that's great, John. Well, I thank you for your time and the, the great information, uh, as always. So uh, hopefully we'll get, get to have you on the show here again soon, and we'll discuss some of the other things that Alpha has. So, again, John, thank you very much, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you, Fred, and th thanks for having me on your show today.
Thank you, Tough Skin, one of our gold sponsors. Marble etches and stains, Tough Skin guarantees it will not. Tough Skin provides a unique product and installation service anywhere in the USA with their proprietary stone laminate products. They protect marble countertops with an acid, oil, and waterproof guarantee. That's right, it's now possible to install marble, onyx, and travertine countertops without the worry of etching and staining from common household items like wine, lemon, coffee, or other acidic foods. People have been trying to figure this out for thousands of years, and Tough Skin Surface Protection has done it. Available in gloss and satin to match the countertop finish. Visit them online at toughskinprotection.com. That's T-U-F-F skinprotection.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends.